Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Uh, melt your heart, huh? Too uh, cute. To go from that to me, I, I apologize, I think, right? That's <laughs> just too cute. Uh, love you guys. Good morning. I am lead pastor Scott Harris. This is executive pastor Pat Lassard. Good morning. You look good. Nice shirt. Hey, we match. I know. Come on. Let's go. Oh, we didn't mean to do that. Good. I had to buy these. I'm not a Hawaiian shirt guy, but I'm learning this. Okay. I'm kind of, I'm looking for my, uh, my brothers are about my age and older. Uh, these seem to be required uniform after you get to a certain age, I'm noticing. <laughs> right? Is it kind of, so, uh, am I allowed in the club? Right, with these things, okay? I love it. Uh, I love the tradition that North Shore has of family month. You, you know, seven years ago, almost getting near an eight, when we were checking this church out, just seeing, God, are you calling us there? I started watching services online, and I saw this family month. And I'd been in ministry 18, 19 years by then, full time. And I've never seen a church be this committed to families. They'll take an entire month and say, this is family month, and here we go. And I just love that. And I want to speak to uh, the people that are in the service that maybe aren't typically. Our high school students, our middle school students, uh, those from our kids' ministry. I want you to know this. You are not guest here, Okay. You're not guests. This isn't, oh, great, come in the service, endure it for a month. You know, hopefully you don't quit the church by the end of the month and head back there. But we are in this together. We call it family month for a reason, that this is an us thing. This is your family. It's the heart of Jesus and what he called us to. If you look in all the gospels, but in Mark chapter 10, and you'll remember the scene. Uh, Jesus, you know, he's going around, he's teaching, he's teaching on some tough subjects and, and topics, and he's there, and he's, he's with his disciples, some of his apostles, uh, remember this, and all of a sudden the kids start coming, some parents start bringing children to him to have him bless them, you remember what happened? The adults said, you know, this is adult conversation, no, they tried to block the kids, uh, Jesus said, no, 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 no. Let them, Mark 10, chapter 14, let the children come. Let them come because the kingdom of God belongs to them. Meaning this, we are family. We are together. This is an us thing. It's not just something for us old folk. And so you young people that are here, um, I want you to know this is your church, your family, um, and we are just doing this. Yes, we want to give you opportunities to hear the gospel and the teaching in your own language, if you would. So that's kind of why we do something a little different. But do not mistake that. Do not mistake that for that we are separate and we're different. We're together and we're all together in this journey. Uh, so I love, love family month for this reason. And so let's all join together and say, yes, this is our Ohana. This is our family. Let me open a prayer. Father God, we love you, and I pray just a, a blessing over this time, this time of looking at your word and looking at Ohana and family. Uh, you are good. So I pray, my earnest prayer, whether people are online, they're sitting here, young and old, that they would get the overwhelming 
comfort and peace of being part of God's family, being part of this family. Uh, and just that draw to togetherness that the gospel calls us together in. So I just pray you be with us now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Uh, Pat, this is your first family month on staff, right? True. Yeah. And, uh, you know, similar impact for me as well. I, I think our family actually came and visited North Shore five, six years ago, and it was actually during family month. Uh, how many of you remember uh, Harris, Harrison III, the magician? Got a few hands online? That's right. Raise your hand. Uh, we actually came that time, and he was given the message. It was pretty cool. Uh, so if you're disappointed as I bring that memory up of going, where's the magic tricks? After service, Pastor Scott's <laughs> going to be out in the lobby doing magic tricks. So, uh, so no refunds. Um, but, uh, but it truly was impactful because, because of just very much what you said, the value that was put on family, uh, both physical and spiritual family. And so as we set the stage for this uh, series, this five-week series, there's a, there's a biblical foundation that's set, and it comes out of John 1. John 1, 12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. To every single person in the world that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and receives him, he takes them into his family. And so that sets the stage, the heart set, the mindset as we get into a family, uh, family month here. And so uh, Ohana, that, that is the word, that is the, the theme. What is Ohana? Ohana is a Hawaiian word and it is beautifully deep. It is not simple, one-dimensional. It's beautifully deep. And it gives us an excuse to wear Hawaiian t-shirts up on stage. And so that's part of it. Uh, what is Ohana? Ohana is family. Ohana is family. Family, uh, biological family, certainly. Moms, dads, kids, grandmas, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, right? And beyond, those that are included and invited in. So it certainly plays into our spiritual family as a church. And it's also commitment. It is a commitment to a community. And uh, giving in that, receiving in that, it is commitment. And then it's also heart, which sets the stage for the next uh, several weeks of what we're preaching on. Kindness, honor, loyalty, and love. That will be the series uh, sermons that we will be going on in defining Ohana. That's good stuff. Um, you know, so as we look at this concept and stuff, um, you probably ask your question, is it biblical? Well, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we'll look at this. this right, was it a nice segue, Miles? If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, and again, uh, John 1.12 is kind of our real uh, anchor verse, if you would, to see in this. But we're going to look at a couple different things. Um, and we're going to see that Jesus taught this kind of idea, not necessarily the word ohana, but the idea and the heart of where ohana comes from is a, a God thing as well. Uh, so Jesus, uh, Mark chapter 3. If you look at Mark chapter 3, uh, and in there what's happening, we're going to see uh, the ohana of Jesus. And uh, if you're kind of turning there, uh, in verses like 20 and 21 there, you see what's going on is Jesus is teaching, preaching, healing, 
forgiving sins, right? Casting demons out. It's like intense and crazy, powerful, awesome. And people are flocking to him. But some people are thinking, this guy's nuts. This guy's crazy. Well, his family, his mother and his brothers are catching this. So like, they're talking about my son, my brother there. And they're saying he's out of his mind. So they go to rescue him. So they go, and where they find Jesus is at his home. And, and remember, in this time in Jesus' early ministry, he lived with the apostle Peter. He lived in Peter's house. That's where he did his ministry from, is Peter's house. So he is at Peter's house on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, and it's so crowded. They're sitting there, it's so crowded, they can't get to him. And they're worried for him. So they approach. If you look at verse 31 through 35, you see this exchange. Verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, or came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And I was reading from the New Living Translation, so you know there. Uh, but here it is. So it's packed. Jesus there. They can't get in. They're worried about him. So they send a message in. Tell him we're here. And he's talking to them and teaching them. They're just uh, listening to him and can't believe what he's doing and saying and teaching the kingdom of God. And he catches this. And Jesus says, I'd say he asked Ohana a question. He says to them, who is my mother and my brothers? Right? Verse 33. And then he says this. Uh, there are my ohana. Here's my ohana. Verse 34, you'll see it. He says, here is my mother and my brothers. You imagine sitting there in that moment. This Jesus that's doing all these miracles. All of a sudden, he looks you in the eye and he says, you're my mother, you're my brothers, you're my family. Now know this, okay? You gotta be careful. He was not being disrespectful, Right? Some of your parents said, hey, my kid talked to me like that. Right? Um, no, you go back uh, when Jesus was 12 in the Gospel of Luke. We see this moment that his family traveled to Jerusalem for the festival, and they're there, and then they were heading back up to Nazareth home. And if you remember the story, Jesus was 12, um, because there's massive people. Basically, uh, I don't know if I'd say slipped away, got lost, whatever, but he was in the temple teaching at 12. And they lost him. They, oh, no. So they went back to go get him. He's in the temple. They come in there, and he says, well, I'm here in my father's house. Where else would I be? Uh, but it says this, uh, that he was submissive, meaning he listened. He, he behaved, right, his parents. And he went home, and he grew in wisdom and stature. So Jesus was a good boy. You know? So this storyline isn't about a, a disrespectful Jesus dismissing his mother and his family. That's not what this is. This is a story about Ohana. He says, you are my family. This is an adoption story in a moment. 
Romans 8, Galatians 4 talks about this, that you know, Jesus adopted all of us through his work on the cross. Gave us the right, John 1, to be called children of God in the ohana of Jesus. Anybody, he says in verse 35 here in Mark 3, who does the will of God, meaning who trusts him. These people are trusting me. They're following me. They're part of my family. They're my ohana. And the incredible thing about being adopted is the fact when you are adopted, is there anybody here that is, was adopted? Any Right there, I see it there. Um, I know some people. Here's what I love about this, okay? When you are adopted, someone chose you. Someone looked at you in the eye and said, I want you. I see you. I know you. I love you. I choose you. And Jesus sat there before them and said, I choose you. We've all been chosen a time in our life, right? I remember a time I got chose. I wonder if he's online. I doubt it is. But Todd Bickler from eighth grade, right? Oh, he was so cool. He was so cool. Um, and I was chosen <laughs> to spend the night at his house. Oh, I couldn't believe I got chose. You know, he was so cool, such a great athlete, and I got to go spend the night at his house. You know, the times you got picked, the times that a teacher you know, chose you, saw you, your family, your friends, a job. It feels so good to have someone see you and choose you. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus does through the cross. He says, you trust this cross and you can be in my ohana. I choose you, I see you, I know you. So I want you to remember, in Jesus' ohana, Jesus chose you, he loves you, and he's inviting each one of us to trust him and be part of his ohana. Pat, tell us a little bit more about ohana. We see in 1 John 2, 6 that it says, uh, for all who say they follow God, their life is in God, they believe in God, that their lives should reflect Jesus' life. For everyone who says they abide in Christ, they should walk as he walks. It is a beautiful, fundamental truth in following Christ. We see an amazing example of a disciple of Jesus Christ in the life of Paul. Paul was committed, Paul was faithful, Paul was sacrificial in his passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. And he invested in numerous people, but there was, there was one guy in particular that he really poured into, and that was Timothy. We see this Ohana relationship between Paul and Timothy. It's a beautiful thing that we want to capture and highlight, the Ohana of Timothy. Who is Timothy? Who was this guy? I have a picture here of a uh, young Middle Eastern man. We're going to say he looks something like that. This is a, a, a common man. We know in Acts 16 that as Paul met Timothy, he was a young man. And he had a great reputation that preceded him by his faithfulness within a couple churches. It was pretty cool, pretty amazing. And so he was late teens, early 20s when Paul met Timothy. And uh, he, we know about his family that he had something of, not necessarily a blended family, but he had certainly some interesting family dynamics. Uh, his mom was a Jew. 
His dad was a Greek. Culturally, in society, that would have made things very awkward. Traditionally, that would have made things complicated within their family. Anybody have complications within your family? Right? (laughs) Chuckle, chuckle. Yes, right? Um, It's said about his grandmother and his mother that it's noted that they were believers, right? It's, it's part of his story of how the faith was passed on to him, but it doesn't say that about his dad. Church history, uh, some, there's a thought within church history that his dad wasn't a believer. Anybody have one parent that was a believer and the other not, right? So he, it, it's possible that he grew up within that. And then something that's really cool is as Paul poured into him and Christ moved within Timothy, he actually was the pastor of the Ephesian church. So as the, the, the Ephesians was read to the church of Ephesus, Paul, uh, Timothy was that pastor. So there is a beautiful Ohana letter, 2 Timothy, that's written from Paul to Timothy, and I want to capture a few of those verses. And I did uh, forget to mention, we're going to be reading out of the New Living Translation through the entire series. The intention of that is because it is a a paraphrase, day-to-day language that regardless of how old you are, you'll understand it. So that's our intent with that, okay? So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. I want to just kind of walk line by line, you know, through those verses and ask a question and just kind of bringing it home and making it personal, okay? Timothy, I thank God for you. He attributes the relationship that he has because God did it. It was God that made this relationship possible, and he thanked God for him. Who do you thank God for? What relationship do you give ownership to God because he made that happen? Thank him. Thank him. Give credit where credit is due. He goes on, the latter part of verse three. He says, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Always on his heart, always on his mind, as if he was with him face to face, but he's not. Always on his heart and his mind, right? And his what was on his heart and his mind led to what was in his prayers. Who's often on your heart? Who often comes to mind? Even now as I say that, right? Who is that? Let us encourage you, bring that to prayer. Pray for them. Pray that God would minister to them, that God would serve them, that God would bless them, that God would lead them. If it's a friend, if it's a, if it's a kid, if it's a family member, whoever it is, who's on your heart and your mind often, use that, that remembrance to lead you to pray for them. Pastor Paul Lowell and Kathy are stellar examples of this within our own church community. It's a beautiful example to follow. 
Verse four, I long to see you again for I remember your tears as we parted and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I I wanna be with you and if I just laid eyes on you and saw you face to face, man, that will warm my heart, that will bless me. I remember when we parted, I remember the tears that were shed. As I read that, I thought of one gentleman in particular, Terry Meese, at my old church when I was uh, the campus pastor of a church for Real Life Ministries in North Idaho. And there was an especially hard season as I was the lead pastor and learning the sharp learning curve of a lead pastor um, and numerous things going on. And I, uh, he came alongside me. He loved me. Uh, he allowed me to just open up safely without fixing me or anything, but allowing God to work through him to bring about healing and ministering and serving me. And man, did he pray for me. He was faithful. So as I read that, I had to call him. I had to call him. I just needed to let him know I'm doing good and I'm so thankful for him and how he ministered to me. And as I did, it warmed his heart and it warmed my heart. Who comes to mind for you? I long to see blank again, just to lay my eyes on them. I remember the tears at times, and it just fills my heart to even think of you. Who do you need to call? Who do you need to FaceTime? Who do you need to make a point to go and see? Some of the most important things in life are not things, right? It's people by design, Who comes to mind? And then lastly, verse five. I remember your genuine faith and you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is a beautiful example of two things. Okay, it's a beautiful example of the true uh, nature of the family that the faith is by God's design intended to be passed on within the family. By design, it's supposed to be that way. There's the, so they gave, his grandmother and mother, they gave him an example to follow. They trusted him and how they walked out Christ that he said he wanted that too, right? It wasn't repulsive, it was, it was attractive. And so, so that is how it's intended to be. Families, biological families, look for those opportunities to spiritually invest and have those spiritual Jesus conversations within your families. Take advantage of those conversations. But it's also evident of another thing because that's not always the case, right? Within the biological family, the faith is passed down. And God, as as, uh, Pastor Scott led that broad invitation example and definition of family, as Jesus opened it up to the world, right? God uses the church to be supplemental family. I grew up with two sisters, no brothers. I wanted brothers. I needed brothers. I never had brothers until the church. I have so many brothers. I love them. And each year, I continue to be, have more brothers added into my family, my ohana, my life, my spiritual journey. And I am so grateful I am so grateful. Two questions for you. 
when it comes to your biological family, what conversations are you needing to have? And look for those opportunities and pass it on the faith. And then also, all of us as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, if you know Christ, right, who do you need to invite into the family? Who do you need to invite into the church? Who do you need to invite by sharing Jesus Christ with? And if you don't know Jesus Christ, yet you have not made that commitment to him, it is not an accident that you're here. He is working in your life, drawing you to him. And he openly opens up his arms and says, come in, I will receive you. Come in, have faith in me, who I am and what I've done. The Ohana is big of God's. Amen, amen, good word, man. Good word. Um, yeah, so uh, the Ohana of Jesus is not easy. Right? And so what Jesus does while he's on earth is he tells us to remember our ohana, our family. And he does it through something called the Lord's Supper. Communion, you've heard it called. And see, what Jesus does to institute this, to start this, is while he's on earth, right toward the end of his time on earth, um, the Jewish people of that time the people that were uh, supposed to be the God followers um, would celebrate this thing called Passover, okay? And Passover was this celebration, and the centerpiece of the celebration was a meal um, where they would remember when they were held captive in Egypt. And some of you remember Moses. God sent Moses um, to lead them out of captivity and slavery, death in Egypt, to a relationship with God, to life, uh, and Ohana, uh, the family called Israel, the people of God together. And so they would celebrate that every year, called Passover, when God rescued them to be family. So when they were celebrating that, the last week of Jesus' life, he's sitting there with them, and they're at a table, and they've got their food and bread there. They've got their cups uh, for them. They would drink a, a juice of wine. To, and what he did is, I want you to remember something. And they, they don't get it fully there. They will very, very soon in the days to follow, and we fully understand it now. He says, I want you to remember that you're going to be rescued fully, once and for all, from the penalty of sin and separation from God, not be part of his family, you're going to be rescued. I want you to remember me. Because he's told them they've missed it, but he's about to go to the cross and pay the ransom, his body on the cross, to pay for sins, to pay the price, the sacrifice. And then his blood shed there would cleanse us from all sins, so that we can be pure, beautiful, white as snow, Scripture says, to be in family with God forever. So he says, I want you to remember me. Remember how much I loved you, that I've adopted you, I've chosen you, I've called you in, I've paid the price, I've made the way. Remember this. And every single week, we remember that here through the Lord's Supper.
But what he says in this too, because they do this from here on out, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you know, he's talking about the Lord's Supper communion. And he's going to say, you are forgetting your ohana. You are forgetting that how I loved you is how you're to love everybody. And if you don't remember your ohana and love one another as I have loved you, you are missing what I've done for you. That's right. And so our relationship with our spiritual family, with all people, is a reflection of our understanding of the price Jesus paid for us. And so we get off here in relationships. Uh, it means we're off in this relationship. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20. And I just got to wonder, he's kind of yelling at him right now, okay? So he's, they're getting in a little bit of trouble, but... You're not going to yell we'll at them, are you? Yeah, we'll let them get in trouble, right? So we don't have to, right? It's like you younger siblings, right? You watch what your older siblings did. Okay, don't do that. Mom and dad get really mad. Okay, so we're going to have one of those moments. Verse 20. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat, eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others have abundance. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor. What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. So he's yelling. I said, you are not remembering your ohana, your family. And like I said, he's saying, it is obviously your disgracing what God's done. You are missing the price that was paid for all of us. He says, you've got to get that right. So when we take the Lord's Supper communion, and we will do that in a few minutes. And I want to invite families and parents. This is a great opportunity for you to talk to your kids. You know? And we're going to create some space for you. You can uh, decide if your kids are ready to take the Lord's Supper, if they have that understanding. Um, wonderful. If not, it's an opportunity just to talk to them. What is it? Why do we do it? Right? Why would sometimes... Mom and dad should not take it. Because what the scripture teaches is that we have to evaluate where are we? How are we doing with our relationship with the Lord and others? And if it's off, we want to get those right. And so sometimes we, we don't take communion in a time that it's given out because God uses it to remind us that we are off on our ohana and we've got to go make that right, right? And sometimes uh, young people, your mom and dad say, you know, uh, you, you're not ready. And that's not a bad thing. They, they want you to have an understanding of what this means because okay? it's a powerful reminder to all of us. So families, I encourage you in a few seconds to use this time right, just to talk about this. Um, for you that are already there, families or individuals, a time of prayer. Examine yourself. How am I with my ohana? Right? North Shore Christian Church is part of your ohana, a big part of your ohana. How am I doing? How am I doing my ohana outside of North or Christian Church? How about my biological ohana in my home? How am I doing? What does that say about my relationship with Jesus? How am I doing there? So it's a time where we just sit and we think and we ponder and we go to prayer. So I'm going to give you about 
35, 45 seconds, you know, uh, just to be quiet before the Lord. Um, and then I'm going to come and finish reading that scripture where Paul says, here's what God has done for us and given us the Lord's Supper. And we'll take together. And you may have to teach your kids how to open these things up, okay? For I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. So as we um, continue in family month, I want you to remember our ohana. We are all bound together in the spirit, the work of Jesus Christ on that cross, through the will of God the Father. Okay? We are family. North Shore Christian Church, those of you that are online, um, uh, let's not forget it. It's something that's important, it's essential, into the Christian journey. It's our calling to come together. And it's really, really hard. But here's what's cool. We have this thing, this amazing grace that comes over us, right? And God just pours himself into us, over us, uh, empowers us to be in his ohana, to be the ohana of the Jesus followers in this season, in this time. And so I'm gonna invite you to stand up now and 
as we go through this month, let's continue to celebrate our Ohana, remembering its foundation is Jesus Christ and the grace that he has for all of us. I love you, Noah. God bless you.